Welcome to the Team Health Sponsored Beyond Clinical Medicine program, what they don't teach you in residency. I was thinking about it, and I think I'll call today's program, It's Not Just About the Patient. In other words, building bonds with the healthcare team and creating a positive team experience. Today's podcast will go beyond the typical approach of patient experience. In other words, that approach that just says, make it right for the patient. That's all you've got to do. While many validate the patient's role by stating they're members of the healthcare team, today we're talking about the caregivers. What about the team members' experience? How do we work with others to ensure that we address their needs, hear their frustrations, and build a cohesive crew that is necessary to create a high-functioning team? Is it important? Is it necessary to have a coordinated team that trusts one another to effectively and more safely treat patients? And if so, how does a leader optimize the communication and teamwork skills among the healthcare team members? To discuss this topic is Dr. Kissinger Goldman, an emergency physician and the director of patient experience for the Memorial Hospitals System in the Miami-Dade County area. Kissinger presents nationally to help groups address not only the patient experience, but also the experience of those who take care of the patients. Today's topic, the healthcare team members. Kissinger, you're known for your fervent, spirited, and eloquent approach to this topic, and I want to thank you for joining the program today. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. So we're going to dive right in. We so often hear about and are prodded to address the patient experience, but today we're focusing on the healthcare team members. So what? Why is that so important? Well, uh, it's important for a variety of reasons. Uh, as, as you and I know, when you work clinically, there, there must be a, a bond between uh, not just uh, clinicians, i.e. physicians, but and APCs, nurse practitioners, NPAs, but that bond has to extend into the nursing arena, into the x-ray arena, the ultrasound arena. Why? Because we all contribute to providing care to the patient. Uh, we are all part of the same team. So one thing that I always preach to people at my institution is ensure that the healthcare providers that are next to you, Again, whether it's a nurse or, or an ultrasound tech or, or an, or an uh, x-ray tech, are sound mentally, are sound physically. What does that mean? That means that you have to take the time to actually ask that person on a daily basis, how are you doing? You have to actually take the time to figure out that person's name. Sometimes you have to go even further. Find out, find out about their uh, personal preferences in terms of food, their family life, what they like, they dislike, what makes them happy. Only then can you build a relationship that is strong enough that you can appropriately care for a patient because you have that bond with that individual that is next to you. And in turn, that bond can translate into better care for patients and their families. Well, you know, I, I, I believe that, and Kissinger, I occasionally say uh, you can't treat your guests well if your family's throwing stones at you, and I, I think that's what you're talking about, and you've described many ways to be supportive of the team, and you described the breadth of that team. You said even 
ultrasound techs and other. So who's on, who is on that team? Who's in? Who's out? Tell us more specifically what you do. As far as who is on that team, I, I can very simple. I'm going to start with the physicians, the APCs, nurse practitioners, the PAs. I'm going to say the nursing staff. I'm going to say the ultrasound tech, the x-ray tech, the cleaning crew, the people who clean the floor. How about the uh, administrators, the CEO, the CNO, the CFO, the administrators of the emergency room? They are all part of that quote-unquote crew. Why? Because directly or indirectly, they are involved in patient care. So they are definitely part of that crew. In terms of uh, how I do this at my institution, I take the time, and, and trust me, as you know, as, as your listeners know, we have very little time because we're so busy. But I purposely take time to, again, learn everybody's name in, on my team, whether, again, from the CEO down to the guy who cleans the floor. And when I walk into the ER, I say hi to every person that I meet. A handshake, a pat on the back, and ask them about their day. How are you doing today? How was your day today? And if, for example, on Monday I see them, they're completely fine. On Tuesday, they're completely fine. On Wednesday, because I've established that familiarity with them, I notice that they're not as happy, they're not as friendly as they were a couple of days ago. I take the time to ask them, hey, what's going on, buddy? What happened today? What is different today? And I take four, five minutes out of my busy schedule to listen, to listen to that person and try to help in any way I can. And sometimes helping simply implies listening and nothing else. Those five minutes that you spend with that nurse, that x-ray tech, that administrator, the, the guy who cleaned the floor, it, it is so valuable to patient, to patient care because it gives you so much leverage with that person. It gives you so much trust so that when you need that person, so that you, you, you don't have to ask them 10,000 times to do something. They know that you care about them, about the patient, and consequently, they have no choice but to care about the patient, right? Because the doctor, the quote-unquote leader of that team, took the time to talk to them, to listen to them, and to help in any way he or she can. It's fascinating because I, and I, it makes perfect sense to me, and I, I believe you. I can hear the passion in your voice that I, I, what I hear you saying is that you take the time to build the trust and care among the team members for each other, for you between them. And they, by doing so, begin to care about what you care about as well. So, okay, you walk into the emergency department. It's busy. And you see somebody stressed and you just say, hi, and how's it going? And they start to answer. But let's say you don't have time to really listen. What do you do? Well, as you know, that does happen, right? They call a stroke alert or a, or a cardiac alert. No problem. Let's address the emergency. Let's take care of it. But when I'm done, I have to create some time and go back and talk to that person. Because uh, clearly, we do have some down times in the emergency room. We do. Uh, the question is what we do with it. And what we do with it can determine the outcome of the care that we provide for our patients overall. So yes, emergency comes, no problem. I address it and then I go back 
and I uh, pulled that person aside in a corner, in a room somewhere, and we talk about it. Do you ever find that you really don't have time to get into it enough during the shift and take time outside of the shift to, to catch up? Very, very good question. Every member of my team has my cell number. Every nurse in the ER, NCDIRE staff, if they want to get in touch with me, they can. Everyone has my cell number. In fact, as you may or may not know, I give my cell number to patients as well. Because, uh, you know, I, I do believe that communication between us as healthcare providers is essential. Communication between us and our patients and their families, it is crucial. It is absolutely crucial. So, yes, sometimes we don't finish the quote-unquote talk or the counseling period in the ER. I always tell people, if you have a question, if something comes up, just go ahead and text me. Text me, call me, whatever, whatever's easier for you. And people have called. People have texted. And I can tell you over the past nine years that I've been at Memorial Hospital West, uh, we've had some pretty sad cases of nurses with, with cancer, ultrasound tech, families with cancer or with heart attacks or what have you. So we've had some pretty sad cases. And I, I think if you open yourself up, if you make yourself available to those people, you know, they start to believe in your cause, right? They, they become fans of your cause. And, and our cause, as you know, is, is patients, patient care, patients and their families. That, that's our cause. So two things. One is uh, it sounds like uh, you really do give your cell phone out to, to people. And so when we get off this call, I may take your cell phone in case I have an issue. I may be calling you. Um, <laughs> no but uh, more seriously, you're talking about working really hard to elevate your team members, to make them partners and equals. Can you give us an example of how you've done it or an example of what's happened, the response you've gotten, and did it make a difference? I'll give you a perfect example. I do this and I, and I train healthcare providers to do this every single time. When I walk into a room and I uh, see a patient, I introduce myself to the patient, to their families, shake hands. If the nurse is in the room, I make it a point to tell the patient and their families that they have one of the most amazing nurses, x-ray techs, ultrasound techs in our system. Every single time. There hasn't been once that, uh, when I have not said this. And if they're not present, I still say it. I still say it. I'll give you uh, another example uh, in terms of clinician-to-clinician relationship standpoint. There was a patient who was admitted hyponatremia, symptomatic hyponatremia. He was in, at 109, wow. headache, dizzy, nausea, vomiting. Uh, anyway, going to the ICU, patient is admitted. I go back to tell the patient that he's going to the ICU. At the end of the conversation, the patient and their families asked me, how is the doctor who's going to be taking care of my husband? Is what the wife said. Uh, is he as good as you? I said, no, nice. he's, not, he's not. He's better than me. <laughs> he's better than me. And I go back to my station. And five minutes later, the intensivist came by and pulled me aside and said, I overheard what you said in the room. He told me that he has been at our system for more than three years. And no one has ever said anything like this about him. 
No one. In the three years he had been in our system, we as a community, as healthcare providers, we don't do a great job at elevating each other. Okay. And I think we need to do, to do more of it, especially because of how hard and how difficult our work is. We have to elevate each other. What, what is the cost? What did it cost me to tell some uh, uh, a patient and their families that this guy is better than me? Nothing. A few words, a few breaths, nothing else. I, I try to do a lot of this every day uh, with patients, with their family, with our incendiary staff, and of course, uh, my colleagues, both in the ER and also upstairs. Kissinger, I, what you're describing reminds me a little bit of uh, one of the lines in a Beatles song, and to paraphrase it uh, for this situation, I would say it's the respect you take is equal to the respect you make, or by giving respect, you get respect. Uh, it seems to be a central theme of your discussion. Can you tell me or us a little more about that? And are you even talking about difficult people? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You mean difficult patients, is that correct? Is that, is that no, difficult correct? patients, difficult providers, people who just start out being really negative when they come in maybe to see a patient or maybe it's an, uh, an attending who comes in and is angry for some reason or a staff member who just is very frustrated. How do you show respect for those people? I think you show respect for those people by treating everyone the same by having respect for every single staff member and by elevating every staff member. If, if you do that, people realize that the way you're behaving and what you're saying is genuine. It's not made up. It's genuine. You really feel this way so that when you come in and you see that difficult patient, they can see that genuineness right through you, right through your words. They can, the incendiary staff, the, the nursing staff, the other physicians can also hear it. They can see it, right? Because you're consistently the same way. I haven't changed in my nine years at Memorial Hospital. Uh, the only thing that's changed is the, the volume of patients. I see a lot more patients today than I, than I did nine years ago. That's the only thing that changed. But the individual, the belief that uh, yes, uh, uh, we have to be able to effectively communicate with our patients and their families. We have to respect them. We have to respect each other. We have to commu communicate effectively with each other. That hasn't changed in my night. So I, I think that's how you do it, by being consistent. It's an interesting concept. There's a friend of mine, John Staley, who used to say, fake it till you make it. And uh, my take on that is it's like neuro-linguistic programming the more you say and do something, the more you believe in it. So I think that for people that you train, you probably get them to start the process by using the words. So let me ask you, if you if you sort of summarize for us the what you consider the, the bottom line uh, in terms of addressing your team members. I think the, the bottom line is, People on your staff, nurses, x-ray tech, uh, ultrasound tech, the, the cleaning crew, they have to 
really believe that you care. And they have to believe that you care about them, them as, as individuals, not them as an ultrasound tech or as a nurse or as a, as a physician, but them as, as, a, as a person. That's where it starts. That's where patient experience starts. Once you do that, the rest is, you know, it's easy. It's fairly easy. Because if you care enough about your staff, then the caring translates into patient care. You can then communicate with them and say, okay, this is why I think patient care is important. Of course, you have to demonstrate it. You cannot just tell them that, right? You have to lead by example. I cannot tell someone to give out their business cards or call their patients or give out their cell phones if I'm not doing it. But it starts with showing your staff that you care. And sometimes, as I said, caring is simply listening or asking someone, how's your daughter? How's your wife? How's your sick husband? Are your kids doing okay? Is the dog okay? How was your birthday? Sometimes that's, that's all it takes. Or giving somebody a pat on the back and say, great job. Again, because of how challenging physically, emotionally, psychologically our days are, we have to do this for each other. We have to. Otherwise, I fear that in a few years, there'll be very few of us left in that field, hmm. unfortunately. Kissinger, thank you for sharing your passion about creating trust and caring among the healthcare team. I did hear you say a couple of times that you do a lot of training related to team building. And in fact, I know you do it. Do you have any interest if somebody who's listening to this wanted to uh, contact you and ask for your thoughts or help on the topic? Would you be interested in, sh in sharing how to get in touch with you? Uh, it would be my honor to train anyone willing to take the time and uh, better themselves in order to provide better patient care. Absolutely. It is not a problem. Anybody can reach me on my cell phone, which is 954-551-2375. Or you can also email me at K-I-S-S. PG10 at gmail.com. Perfect. And that's great. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody contacted you and invited you in to help them with their program. I want to thank you very much for your time and effort. And I look forward to perhaps speaking with you again on a, another similar program. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast program with Kissinger Goldman. If you have any questions about this topic or suggestions for other topics, please contact me at beyondclinicalmedicine.org. Thank you.